Welcome to In The Node, doing a, uh, it's not exactly a live episode, but it is an in-person episode, <laughs> one of the rare ones. We've had a few. Uh, hello, Mason. Welcome Hi. back to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be here. What what brings you down, my man? Why why are you here this random Friday in October? <laughs> um, uh, my mother wanted to throw my wife and I a baby shower, uh, and so here we are in New Orleans for the weekend. Um, by the last chance, I had to actually fly down here in a while. Our first child's due in December, and so um, you know, here I am. Thought I could uh, take some time and uh, come hang out with you and talk about the puzzle a little bit beforehand, though. Beautiful fall weather outside in New Orleans right now. What is it like in Detroit? Why are you not just spending the rest of the winter here? Why would you subject your child to that brutal, brutal <laughs> weather in December? Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the to the Midwest uh, to be born in pretty much uh, right around Christmas time. But yeah, it's not bad. It's, uh, you know, 56. It's cold. It's cold uh, at night, but uh, it hasn't gotten to the bad part yet. So um yeah, but 85 degrees in uh, October is, uh, I don't, I, I, I do miss that. That's for sure. <laughs> sounds, sounds all bad to me. 56, want no part of it. Anyways, the Pelicans have a game tonight in Birmingham, which is pretty cool of them to go down there. They announced a sellout crowd in the arena over there, which is around 17,000 people. Um, them venturing into that market with their G League team was a step into gaining a foothold of the region and now playing preseason games there, I think is uh, very cool of them to continue to sort of build their presence. So far, the Pelicans have won all of their preseason games, but one, which is the most recent one against Miami. Any, any large scale takeaways from you yet this preseason? No, I mean, nothing, nothing transformative, right? I mean, it's, it's good to see all the players, Mostly healthy. Seems like Zion's fine. He made jokes about Twitter doctors uh, <laughs> when they when we talked to him last. So I think he's going to be okay. But um, no, uh, beyond, beyond the early Garrett Temple minutes of us are <laughs> freaking out about <laughs> about that shit. Um, I, I think I think everything you've seen has kind of been been positive. You haven't. I mean, I, I think the only things you can take from preseason are anything that's just way outside the standard deviation of what you might expect, right? Anyone who looks like really, really good or just was like, what happened to this guy? And so I don't think you've seen any of that. Um, I guess, I mean, Trey Murphy's looked great, but all, you you saw how good he looked in a couple of summer league games. So it's not like, I don't know, it's about what I expected. Um, and really, I'm just looking forward to seeing what the what the actual rotation ends up looking like when the season starts, assuming you've got the fully healthy roster. Um, it's I don't think Willie has given too many tells on that. We got to see some on the five minutes, um, which I know you were really excited about. But I mean, any, anything that's come to mind for you? I mean, we've gone a whole training camp and the starting five have not played together once. And they will not play to play together. Uh, Andrew Lopez reported that Zion will be out tonight. Um, they've also not practiced like that's that's another thing is every time you're at practice and you, and you ask about injury updates, it's usually Brandon didn't go through this practice. CJ didn't go through this practice. You know, this person did not go through this practice. So we've now had a month of, of preseason, essentially. We're leading um, into the regular season, first game in Brooklyn. And I am a little bit concerned that the, the top five players have not had a chance to share any meaningful minutes together um, in a practice or game-like setting. So, you know, I think that's a little bit of an opportunity squandered although i don't think 
it's intentional by by any means. I, I do think the priority is to keep people healthy and you know, you, you have 82 games to figure the chemistry part out, but it would have been nice to have a well-oiled machine or, you know, some a, a team that was already, uh, you know, had a few possessions under their belt heading into the first game at Brooklyn. Um, and, and instead of what I anticipate will be uh, a few games of finding their footing and, and finding out who does what, especially in which situations. I was on a, um, a podcast with Seth Partnow, Pelicans fan favorite <laughs> and Brandon Ingram lover. Yeah. Brandon noted Brandon Ingram's um, supporter. Uh, and in one of the areas of concern I expressed was, okay, I, in, in the first 43 minutes of the game, they're probably going to be pretty decent. I think they have enough talent, enough like raw skill to yep. be decent. Yep. E- e- even in the early part of the season, what happens in the last five minutes of the game in, in clutch time. Yep. And, and, you know, what does that hierarchy look like? Who, who's going to play off of what? And and I, I'm concerned because they haven't had any any of those minutes yet. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. And that's one of those things that I feel like even if they practice and play together every single game, you can't simulate something like that, I think. And so there is a degree of, I guess you could start to prepare for something like that, but actually when it comes into a real game crunch time situation, that's different than practice, even if you get everyone together. But so, but I, I, I think, I think you're right. Um, I don't recall exactly. So the, the fir- their first few games, I know they're home openers against Utah. Um, these games are not, I mean, we, I, I think some of these teams, even like the Utahs of the NBA, they're going to be the bottom of the, of the conference in the league. Utah hasn't jettisoned all their players yet. I don't think they're going to be a pushover, even as a home opener in New Orleans. The Pelicans should win that game. But I mean, they've still got Conley. They still got a, you know, a, uh, not a terrible roster. They've got a not a below average roster for sure, but not not a sniper, Lori Markinen. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Hell's she, legend, Nikhil Alexander Walker. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, Revenge. Is, what's Didi? Is he? I don't think he's in the league. Oh, he was important. He was important. He didn't go. He didn't go to Utah. Um, <laughs> I think he's back in Brazil. <laughs> but no, I mean, so so I don't. I mean, these are not games. Uh, they they play Charlotte though. So Charlotte probably without Lamelo. That that should be one that you can just get by and win regardless of, of any sort of kind of cohesion for your players. But they're, you know, there are these games that they're not easy. And if, you know, and you know, a, a lot of games, even against not great teams, uh, they'll come down to the wire. And then that's where the, the good teams separate themselves from the bad teams. So the Pelicans are going to have to do that. And to your point, they're gonna have to do that without a lot of, um, of time together for their, their, their core or their finishing five. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, there has been discussion on on how individuals in that five that have played look already. Uh, I've seen people discuss and comment on on Zion. I, that the first game I think he played was a, a big success. Every subsequent game, I think he's shown us flashes of what he is and what he can be. And then there's flashes of, okay, uh, he went three for twelve from the free throw line one game. And then there was um, a few other games where he sort of struggled to finish uh, at the rim. In, in or at a rate that we are used to. He's still getting there. He's still getting those attempts and those makes that are, are typically there, uh, you know, we haven't seen. Is there any concern from you on on that end? The free throw stuff has been interesting because I feel like he's either been pretty good or just terrible from the line. It's no in between. And so obviously it's small sample size. You can't really, you know, pin it on one specific thing. And so I think I need to see a little bit more, but no, I mean, I'm not concerned in anything big picture wise. I feel like he's just he's getting his footing. He's getting back to playing basketball again. Um, 
I, I really don't know what to make of the free throw issues. I mean, he, he wasn't great from the free throw line before, so it's not like I expect him to suddenly be much better. Um, but he's, I hope, I hope to see a little bit more consistency. So, I mean, I mean, if he shoots 70% from the line, I mean, fine, it's not great, but I, I what, you, what you don't want to see is have these games where he gets the line 15 times and he makes five, six, seven free throws. I mean, he's got to be making more than half. Um, and he's going to get fouled because no one wants to give up that automatic bucket, especially when you look at, you know, uh, est- estimated points per possession of a dunk versus a Zion free throw. It's, they're going to come. He's going to have to get better from the line. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is that even if he shoots like 65%, that's 1.3 points per possession, which is far away the most efficient offense in, in history. So it's like, I don't think hack a Zion is a viable strategy for opponents, uh, but we've already gotten to the point where, he is basically generating a free throw a minute already. Like he has an absurd uh, free throw rate in the preseason. And yet we're looking at his drives. We're like, oh, that, that was a foul. That was a foul. That was a foul. That didn't call that. And, and so I, I think there's going to be a level of frustration among fans and Zion himself. We've seen him uh, pull refs to the side already in the preseason discuss like, Hey, like these guys are beating me up every time I go to the rim. And, and I think that's contributing to some of those finishing issues is he is getting fouled. And um, but, you know, I, my my thoughts on him finishing was when uh, if you look at Stan Van Gundy's uh, season, Zion started that season, the first 10, 12 games. You know, he uh, was only averaging about 20 points a game and his true shooting percentage was about 55 percent. And it's normally like 65 or 67 with with him. And and he started that season off slow. Part of it was. Um, you know, he, he was coming back from the injury he sustained in the bubble. He was uh, trying to figure out how to fit in with Steven Adams and, and Eric Bledsoe and all that. <laughs> Great times. Great times. Um, but, you know, part of that is I, I, I think anytime you come back from a sustained uh, injury in, in the period of time off from basketball, it's going to take reps. It's going to take uh, just experience of, of, of getting your feet under you, getting your legs under you. And I think, um, in preseason, it's it's tough to comment on because no one's going 100%. I don't think Zion's going. Herb might be, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Herb is special. <laughs> um, you know, no no one no one's going 100%. And and uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it takes Zion. You know, he ha- if a few games before he finds that game to game consistency that we're used to seeing. Like I think, you know, I, I could foresee a situation where like, okay, maybe the Brooklyn game doesn't look great, but then he just absolutely destroys Charlotte. And then he goes to Utah and does well. And then whatever the next game is, he struggles. And, and, and we're like, okay, you know, he's finding his footing. And then uh, by the time we're approaching Thanksgiving or, or Christmas, he's back to the, the world-breaking Zion that he is. Um, any concern for you uh, on his ankle? Um, seeing him make jokes about it to the, to the uh, media, I don't think I have any. Um, I, I don't think it's a full-blown lock that he plays the opening night. Um, you know, that – you want to be careful with someone like him, right? And so I expect him to. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world if he has to miss it. But um, big picture, if he's making jokes about it, I think I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you play. He played. Uh, he played a few possessions after the the injury occurred, the roll occurred, and he still scored uh, and got to the free throw line. Um, I think you'll play. And I think the other thing is going back to the finishing conversation and going back to the conversation uh, where they have not played Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum 
and Jonas Valanciunas and Herb Jones and Zion together once at all yet. Yeah, he hasn't played in the preseason yet. He has <laughs> not played in the preseason. He's had an unfortunate toe that's been bothering him. And those things, in my opinion, are also going to increase Zion's finishing efficiency. Because all of a sudden, when it's not Devontae Graham, when it's not Najee Marshall uh, on, on the court taking those minutes, uh, it's not Billy Hernan Gomez taking those minutes, and it's Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and Jonas Valanciunas. It's a different ballgame. It's it's a different level of offensive skill that's on the court. It's a different level of passing ability that's on on the court. It's a different level of uh, of defense warping. And and you know I haven't seen anyone throw a lob to Zion yet. Um, and and maybe that is an area we miss Lonzo in. Maybe maybe there are just not that many lobs this season. But I anticipate when Brandon Ingram's back on the floor and and CJ's back on the floor with the, those two there's going to be a lot more of those opportunities because you can't leave those guys in one-on-one situations and and have them go against your, your defenders. I mean, I think you're selling uh floor space or Billy Herangum is a little short here. Um, just, I mean, everyone was taking threes in the preseason uh, and he, he made a couple of them, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a tangible difference regardless between floor spacing and playmaking. And like, I think that's the point you're alluding to here because you know, we, we, the, I'm excited to see Devonte Graham with Zion. Uh, there are certain players who I think, you know, they, they make sense together, but they're still not as, uh, you know, it's not going to give you the same type of versatility and dynamic offense as like a brand Negro was. And so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see the different lineups they put Zion in, whether it's he's at the five or he's at the four. Um, there are various guard combinations that they can, you know, push up, you know, put together as well as obviously Trey Murphy to really give him a ton of floor spacing and playmaking at the same time. And if they can figure out the right combinations that do that as well as make them even passable on the defensive end, because that's I think that's all they need for this for this team to really click is just to be, you know, be a top twenty defense uh, if they can be above average be, because they can limit transition opportunities from their offensive rebounding skills and even better. But um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that maybe has helped a little bit even without Bi uh, healthy is that Willie's had the chance to at least put certain players together and see how it looks. Um, and hopefully, while the starting lineup isn't hasn't seen time together, you see other combinations that you think as a head coach, all right, that fits, that works together. Um, and so maybe we see that benefit, and, and maybe we see kind of Zion plus bench units just mashing opponents early on. So let's talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, I thought the Miami game was indicative of how big of a drop there is from Jonas to Billy Hernan Gomez. And <laughs> in, in, in both, you know, I think uh, Billy had like a 17 and 10 game, which on paper looks fantastic. I think it was evident watching him play uh, in terms of like the areas he covers on, on pick and rolls, um, the kind of role man threat he is. I think he's bobbling passes and responsible for quite a few turnovers. Uh, <clears throat> there, there is a big drop off and I I've heard the conversation around, well, you know, uh, remember, remember me, remember me when, when <laughs> Billy uh, won uh, the MVP. MVP and I was like, how much of a drop off is there? <laughs> uh, I think there's, there's a pretty, pretty clear drop off there. Um, Jackson Hayes also out. So that's, that's a, a vertical element that they don't have currently going into the season. Although he was supposed to get reevaluated in two weeks. So he's going to be coming up on that pretty soon. Uh, we'll see, we'll see where he's at with his UCL. Um, but I think you make an important point that their defense should be okay because of, of what you mentioned in, in, you know, if they limit transition opportunities for opponents, um, if they limit them both from a, a scoring perspective, like they're con- continually opponent uh, is continually taking the ball out of the hoop rather than off of uh, rebounds or, or long rebounds or turnovers. Um, and, and if they had constantly have to account for the offensive rebounding threats, then there should be a lot more half court defense for the Pelicans to be played. 
Um, but you know, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit apprehensive on on the Pelicans' ability to um, control some of these high value areas, which is attacks to the rim and and three point attempts. Uh, every team wants to force teams into the mid range area. Um, do you do you feel like they have the personnel at the moment to where they can dictate defenses rather than like have to react to them on the defense? Yeah, so, yeah, right. sorry. Yeah, um, I th- I think situationally or matchup dependent. So I mean, I'm thinking about the, the first game against Brooklyn, and look, I like Nick Nick Claxton, but they they don't really have anyone who's going to really hurt hurt you consistently at the five. And so I think based on the personnel the Pelicans have available, there's no reason for for example now with with Jackson out, there's no reason for Billy to play a minute. I mean, there's Jonas starts. And from there, you piece it together. You've got, I think, the length and versatility of the Pelicans on the defensive end, more so than their actual skill set or talent, is you have to thrive off that. You have to use that to your advantage and just kind of try to maximize what you can do on the offensive end and really just you know figure out the right length and combinations, mix up a bunch of forwards, and and, and Zion at the five. I mean, I, I don't see it. Or the five, I think, is you can put it in quotes because – the role he plays on offense versus defense is probably going to look different. And so you just, I, I think you just got, again, you got to use the Pelicans have a lot of length and, and I think they've got to use that to their advantage. Um, and, and unless there's a really a guy who they think is going to beat you possession after possession in the inside, then they, they can, they can figure out those minutes. What about possession after possession on the outside, like Kevin Durant or, <laughs> or Kyrie Irving? I think, I think going to Brooklyn specifically, they will run a lot of Ben Simmons at the five and, them doing that space in that floor out with with the shooters that they have, Seth Curry, uh, although he's a little bit of a question mark or whether he's going to be available that game or not. Um, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, their defender, who can is he's, he's, he's an adequate catch and shoot three point guy. Uh, obviously, Kyrie and KD. Those those players um, in in that kind of situation, who are you putting Zion on? defensively are you putting him just straight up on ben simmons and and you know making him guard the ball uh and and, and those actions or you're hoping to find um the royce o'neill and just kind of like put put zion on, on their low usage guy with with Jonas in the game or out of the game well who are you running at? yeah who are you who are you who are you even playing tough. if yeah. ben simmons is at the five yeah so i mean if simmons at the five yeah i don't i'm curious what the pelicans what willie decides to do I think you've got to be very careful about throwing Jonas out there because that that's a team that is very dynamic offensively like the Pelicans are. And so I, I, I think the move is to, uh, it's tough. I, I think maybe Ben Simmons is the matchup. I would, I would put him on first and I think it allows him to, I mean, he's, he can be so such a powerful weak side defender and, and come out of nowhere and block shots. And I think that's probably the right place to allow him that type of freedom um, because otherwise I, I, I do worry about him getting lost and and then getting and the Brooklyn that's getting open three point attempts and so I think that's where you start and um, you figure out from there based on you know, how, how Brooklyn's deciding to put their lineups together. What do you think? Yeah, I mean I think it's interesting because if you're Brooklyn, why not involve Ben Simmons in a ball screen immediately and get Zion switched on to Kyrie or KD like instantly? And I think they can do that with anyone. Like yeah. they have they have two of the best isolation uh, scorers in the game, and if you're in crunch time or if you just need offense that's that's their go-to move that is that is how they operate and how are the pelicans going to create a system in which 
Zion is not routinely exploited. Um, part of that is going to have to be uh, ownership and responsibility on Zion's part. It's it's going to be having to fight through situations where he doesn't get switched, or when he does have the switch, then he's got to actively take away one thing or two things that you know he's able to do. Obviously, uh, against those players, it's impossible to take everything away. But there, there has to be a scheme that he's working towards. Are you forcing him, you know, left or right? Are you forcing him towards help in one way or another? What, what is, you know, what, are, what are you prepared to do? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think those are questions that everyone's going to have, and and frankly, I, I expect the Pelicans' offense to be good enough to where they just need to be passable on defense. But again, those last six minutes of the game. I, I think there are there's going to be games, particularly early, where that the Pelicans offense does struggle, especially if teams are switching one through five. If Pelicans also go small and they're switching and they get caught into isolation ball, um, I, I think there's going to be moments where some of those shots aren't going down and, and the Pelicans don't look great. Yeah, I mean, the, the defensive strategy you may have to go towards uh, in situations like that is just double team the ball handler and leave Ben Simmons wide open by the goal because we know he'll pass up the lane. <laughs> yeah, full, full on mind games with Ben Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I, I almost would w- want to like try out putting someone like Herb on Ben Simmons um, for a couple reasons. If he's on the ball, great. You know, you're 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 getting ball pressure. If he's off the ball, then that's your one of your best off-ball defenders in the passing lanes, in you know, as your weak side help, um, and and kind of seeding one of the other matchups to be like, okay, cool, we put you know we put uh, we Tony Allen, Ben Simmons, basically, and we're allowed like Herb to play two on one on on everybody else when Ben Simmons doesn't have the ball. Or what um, were the, the uh, what were teams doing to the Spurs with Kawhi? They were putting uh, the best player in the corner that Kawhi was just just taking Kawhi out of the play. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, interesting, interesting matchup there. Uh, I I want to move on towards uh, another Pelicans who's seen a great deal of success this preseason, someone that people have high expectations for um, going into the season, and he had a great close to the season last year. Trey Murphy the third has been on fire, absolutely on fire uh, to start this preseason. And Mason, tell me why this person should not – Close games. I'm on like start Trey Murphy mode, but but <laughs> we're I'm, not gonna go there. We're, 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 if we go there, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you who you're benching, but Herb, um, no question, huh? No question. And that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into there. <laughs> I think I have to take, find a different shirt. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what you're. I, like, I love I love Herbert Jones, but um, let's let's talk about closing games. Yeah. Um, so the argument is that you have enough offense without Trey Murphy there. And if you're depends on who you're pulling, if you're pulling out Herb in the closing five, I have concerns. If you're pulling out Jonas, given depending on the matchup, I think it's I think it's certainly a plausible option if he proves that he can he can be at least a like a, a neutral defender, which I think, you know, he's still young and that's still that that is a unless you're Herb Jones, that's an area where uh, your typical, you know, rookies aren't good. Um, second year players are still a huge learning curve. They had to defend the NBA. Um, is there another player you'd consider pulling out of the, uh, the finishing five besides either of those two guys? Yeah. I mean, I, I said, I'd bench her for the starting lineup. I will not bench him for the closing lineup. Yeah. I think that he has to be in 
every closing lineup as long as he's healthy moving forward. Um, and I feel the exact same way about Trey. I think those two, for me, are, are non-negotiable. And there's obviously two other non-negotiables in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so you've already touched on Jonas. The other guy, the other odd person out is CJ. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you have to ask yourself, are CJ's, you know, there will be games where CJ's skill set is absolutely necessary, right? The ability to create off the bounce, yep. the ability to, to just you know, catch and shoot. There are going to be games where he's more of a liability on defense and he, you know, his, and, and he's a redundancy on offense, meaning that if you trot out a, a five wing lineup or, you know, you're placing Trey Murphy there, you're going to get a similar amount of floor spacing and ultimately, if you have the ball in Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram's hands, then you need less of his off- of CJ McCollum's individual offense, more of his ability to space the floor. And you're already replicating that with Trey Murphy out there while putting a much, much better defender, a much better event generator. We've already seen his ability to generate blocks both on the ball and on the weak side, a much better rebounder. So I ask you this. Can you conceive like of 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 a, of a closing lineup for Golden State that did not involve Clay Thompson. <laughs> no. Right? It makes <laughs> no sense. Okay, this, right? Yeah. It makes no <laughs> sense to have a 6-8 elite three-point shooter who also plays defense to not close games. Okay. Can you conceive of of a, a Denver Nuggets closing lineup that doesn't involve Michael Porter Jr.? That one's less less clear to me, but probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But but you, and you look at their bench; it's it's definitely that, not, right. Yeah, that's why. Um, although they their bench to get better this year, uh, their their team is deeper than it was last DeAndre year. DeAndre Jordan, but no, <laughs> look, my, no, Michael Porter Jr. is closing games. Right, he's six ten, six eleven, and one of the best shooters in the league. Right, so you you look across the league, and the elite shooters that don't close games are the ones that don't play defense, right? It's it's your formerly J.J. Reddicks. It's your Duncan Robinsons. It's your um, potentially Joe Harris, but Joe Harris is a much better defender than, than, than Duncan Robinson, and I anticipate it's going to close a lot of games for, for Brooklyn. Um, when Danny Green was in his prime, would any team close games without Danny Green? Right? So you have this one player who has one of the most valuable skill sets in the whole league, a skill set that every team uh, searches for, a skill set that elevates the game of every single star, right? When you have that level of shooting. And and what Trey's displayed to me this, this preseason is that he's not a standstill shooter. He is a movement shooter, right? He's coming off a screen. So it's baseline um, out-of-bounds plays. He had one against the Spurs. He had one um, against the the Heat where uh, they're basically, they, you know, they have um, – the someone inbounding in the center setting a screen for Trey while someone else and Trey is setting a screen for someone else who's cutting towards the basket. And it's a series of screens that basically is either going to generate a free layup for someone who's cutting to the basket because they're going to get confused about the shooter, or it's going to generate a free shot for Trey. And, and his ability to shoot on the move, his ability to shoot from 35 feet out, that's what he's doing right now. He's, he's playing with that level of confidence. Like, yeah. And and when you have Zion Williamson and his rim pressure on the floor, um, First of all, we've we have a pretty large sample of minutes where putting the ball in his hands generates the league's best offense. 
right? We we have a pretty pretty large sample of those minutes with points Zion. And and that was with Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. That was with Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe and not with a shooter of 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 Trey's caliber. Now you're telling me you have someone who is willing to wait for the the ball uh, we talked about his movement shooting, but when he's spotting up, he's not spotting up at the three-point line. He's spotting up four, five, six feet behind the three-point line. You know what kind of closeout that generates? You know, like, if someone has to help off Trey, like, how much like, distance they have to cover to do that? So I just think of everything he provides you on the basketball court. And I think, I think it's absolutely overthinking it from a basketball perspective if you don't close games with him. And it, it goes into – hey, I like my vets, and so I would rather close with Larry Nance, or I would rather close with Jonas Valanciunas, or I would rather close with, with, with C.J. McCollum because Trey hasn't earned that equity. But from a basketball p- p- standpoint, to me, it's bonkers. Three things I think about before making that the norm. First is um, Zion, point Zion. We have to be – refs tighten up in the at late in games in, in crunch time situations. Zion, you've already made the point. Zion gets fouled a lot. Point Zion becomes less effective if the refs start swallowing the whistle late in games. Uh, and so if you have CJ off the floor, you and I mean, you, you, your creation goes down. So it's BI and then it's Zion. And so I just, you know, the offense, if, if you know, if the Zion is not officiated fairly, there are certain risks to how much creation the Pelicans have on the floor at that point. That's one. So it's not a Pelicans issue. It's a, is it going to be officiated fairly issue? Second is Trey Murphy's defense. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I think the defensive talent is there. The length is obviously there. He's making plays. He's made plays in summer league in the preseason. He's still young. That's going to come. I don't think he's going to be a plus defender, you know, right. Uh, you know, with regular. Really? Yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> really? I, I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, wow. it just, it, it I takes, he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be bad. I, I, I just, think he's going to be a top three defender on the be than CJ. It's going to be, he's going to be that's top four, a, top four. So, so I think it's going to be Herb. I think it's going to be Jose. I think it's going to be Dyson, and then I think it's going to be Trey. I think he's a better defender than Larry Nance. Interesting. In, in what he's going to give you. I just think there's more of a learning curve and not, you know, I mean, Herb, Herb Jones is immediately a plus defender and like that. And he was a, I mean, I know he played three, three years for his college. I don't remember, but. Um, Hold on. <laughs> like Trey was a plus defender already. Hold on. <laughs> keep, keep talking. I'm looking this up. Okay. So. Those are those are two of the things. Um, the third is I don't remember what I was going to say. I had these three things, and there was a third one. I'll come back. So youth defense creation. I don't remember what the third one was. Oh well, it'll come, it'll come to me. So so here, here's my pushback to you. If you need more creation, keep Trey on there. Put CJ on there. So you have a guard out there. All right. So you you have CJ. You have Bi. You have Zion. Those are your creators. You have Herb as your your catch-all defender and and Trey Murphy as your X Factor. You're you're someone who you already have the the gravitational force of Zion, who has, you know, just the the density of of like a, a neutron star just going <laughs> at the rim, right? Yeah. Why would you not have the equivalent gravitational pull on the other end of the court with Trey Murphy? And, and all of a sudden, when teams are forced to pick their poison and you have three off-the-bounce creators, um, what, are they, what are they supposed to do with those situations? Yeah, so that was my third one. And it's, a very, it's very much third in terms of my concerns. Um, it's probably not enough to, to go away from what you're thinking. But 
Um, do you think Trey Murphy has that gravitational pull on the at you know from from the start? What does it take? Because we know that three point efficacy, uh, the the attention that defenses give to some of those players, it lags, and so you've got to really prove it before defenses are are willing willing to just actually have to make a conscious choice to go out. And maybe they still won't, but you know, your response can be, all right, then Trey's is going to make it rain from three point range, right? Exactly. That's, that's, so. Why do I care if they don't guard him? They want to give him an open three. That's, that's a problem for me. Yeah. Um, so whereas I think CJ is immediate, you like defenses care about that. And so it, it is certainly going to be a pick your poison. And so again, I'm not saying that it's the, it's a the wrong decision. Um, I'm just saying that I, I see certain risks in the outset and, and I think CJ's the, the easier choice. Um, but I, I certainly see a world in which Trey Murphy, if his, if he is a plus defender and, and really doesn't give up much on, on that end, if, if the d- difference between CJ and Trey Murphy's defense is wider than the creation advantage that CJ McCollum gives you, then to me, yeah, I, I think that's certainly a move you can, you can make. I wouldn't do it all the time. I worry about, uh, you know, C- CJ seems like a real team first guy, uh, and I, but I, I worry about him consistently not playing in closing minutes. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily want that all the time, but I, I, I get where you're coming from. So, to to put this to bring this conversation in more of a real space in terms of what's actually going to happen, we are probably a year away from any CJ doesn't close games conversations. At least a year away. Uh, he just signed his extension. He had a good year. He has enough cachet. Um, and again, veteranosity to yep. where I just don't think it That's is a, a conversation. It is a word that is just <laughs> shout out Seth Partner. We are using this because of my frustrations with Garrett Temple and <laughs> and coaches routinely um playing vets when they're not supposed to be playing. But uh I think we're at least a year away from any any okay. real you can't play CJ in those minutes conversations. At least a year. So what what's been the buzz around the team and and what what is the general understanding at this moment is it's Larry Nance that will close games at the five. Huh. And my whole thing is the advantage of closing with Larry at the five is he gives you some perimeter shooting, not a high volume, not high percentage. Some. He's shown decent shooting when he's been healthy and playing enough, right? Yeah. And so but no one's gonna run out and guard him to your point. Right. Uh, your, your point about gravity there, yeah, absolutely. No one's going to pay attention to him out there, right? Um, he has some playmaking. Um, he has some level of uh, you know interior finishing in terms of being a lob threat or uh, just getting him into the short roll and pick and roll situations. Um, he's decent at everything. He's not great at anything. Exactly, yeah. right? Maybe this was him coming off of uh, still recovering from that injury, but in, in the playoffs, whenever they closed with him at the five, Chris Paul cooked him. <laughs> yeah. Cooked him. Absolutely cooked him. Um, and do I think that he's probably going to look better on defense this year than he did at that time? I would I, hope so. I'm optimistic about it. But when I look at the strengths that the Pelicans have, you were opting to take Jonas off the floor for supposedly better defense, right? If you're in a situation where the guard's going to cook you regardless, then that defense is not better. Right. But what you have taken off the floor is absolutely elite rebounding ability on both ends, um, elite finishing ability, and just the more offense, right? So you've, you've taken that off the court. 
if that is my trade-off, then what I want is something else that's elite, which is shooting from Trey Murphy. Do I think Trey Murphy can get to the level of, of Larry Nance defensively this year? Yes. Do I think he can surpass it? Yes. Um, what the coaching staff probably needs to see to, to put Trey in those minutes is not necessarily a Trey thing, in my opinion. It's a Zion thing. And I think they have to see enough defensive buy-in, uh, enough rebounding ability, enough of ability to to change and alter things from the weak side to where they feel confident playing him at the quote-unquote five. Hit the mic. Um, where they feel confident yeah. playing him at the five. Uh, so it's not that, hey, we're playing Larry at the five, so you don't have to. It's, okay, we trust you to do this, and we can take our ceiling to a, to a higher level by playing Trey. Yeah. Um, but I just I, – I love Larry Nance. I think he's going to be a huge piece. I think he's going to have big games. Um, I just think that the Pelicans have two players in Jonas and Trey Murphy who give you elite things and in a way that other teams have to adjust to. Other teams have – no one game, has to game plan for Larry Nance. No one on either end. No the Suns one. had to adjust for, for Jonas in that series. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Pelicans readjusted by matching his minutes to, to um, JaVel McGee's, and then they still continue to win those minutes. But no one has to adjust to Larry Nance. So if no one has to adjust to him, like, what, what am I really getting out of that? And, and is the advantage of, of being more mobile actually coming through when, when guards are isolating him and, and playing him in space? Yeah, yeah I, I, I do agree that in – I would play if given the choice to close games between Larry Nance and Trey Murphy. I would pick. I would pick Trey Murphy. The one thing I'll say in um, Larry Nance to Larry Nance's credit is that not every team is going to have a guy like Chris Paul who's going to dissect you. Obviously, great wing scorers. He's not going to be able to defend those guys anyway. The degree to which Chris Paul can is a wizard and can do stuff like that. Not every team has a guy like that. But that's. I mean. It's not like a huge vote of confidence for, for Larry Nance either. Yeah, I mean, but but there's you look around the league, there's dynamic guards on every team, though. So it, it's really about, you know, generating that switch and making him defend in space. And is that something you want Larry Nance doing? I trust, frankly, I trust Trey in isolation situations more than I trust Larry Nance. I think he's more mobile. I think he has more, maybe not more athleticism, an equal amount of athleticism. I think he is taller and longer. Um, he affects shots more. And, and you keep giving him those opportunities, you're only going to raise the ceiling of the team. And I, do I think Larry Nance is going to be an amazing spot starter when Zion goes down? Absolutely. You know? uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I think that's a great point in that even if overall you think that Larry Nance gives you slightly more as in, in a closing lineup than Trey Murphy, I think it benefits this team in the long run more to give Murphy those minutes. And like it, it like I'm not saying put a worse team out there intentionally, but if the difference is so nominal, then you want to give Trey those reps. But I think, I, I, I think you know, you mentioned um, the co- what the coaching staff has to see, and I, I feel like there's probably more they want to see just for the first 42 minutes of the game, right? Because they didn't give him those chances last year until late in the season, at which they, I think everyone was screaming from the rooftops, play Trey Murphy over Garrett Temple. But the fact of the matter is, it did not happen. And so they probably want to see more in regular season from Trey. Not fair to Trey, but it is what it is before they start saying, okay, let's give you those closing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, like I said, veteranosity is a disease in this <laughs> league, and the vets are going to get the benefit of the doubt, yep. even though what have they done to actually earn that benefit of the doubt when they routinely mess up on the court? Cough, 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 Gary Temple. Uh, <laughs> Eric Bledsoe, even. Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Like, what What have they actually done to earn that and they're in the, in the right to fail routinely? Um, I, I just think that's an outdated mode of thinking and in, in, these young players deserve more credit. And so I'm going to use this as a, as a platform to launch into my next hot take. <laughs> this Let's is go. a doozy. Let's go. My, my hot take, my actual hot take is, is like a button the, for this, for the bot. Yeah. <laughs> this, this boot crew coaster, um, bottle opener is going to be my button for now. Um, I think my actual hot take is, is the future of this team is the Dyson Daniels, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Herb Jones, and Trey Murphy lineup. I think when you, you know, we've we've talked about the weaknesses uh, and strengths of these lineups that we're trying to build around. um, What home run drafting that would be. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be? You know, when we we talk about the strength of Warriors, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so so Dyson in in a perfect world continues to grow as a creator and connector. And, and gives shooter. you gives you yeah and a shooter. I mean that's going to be key. He's he's got to be thirty five percent from from three. He's got to be Larry Nance esque. He's got to be Solomon Hill esque. Whatever Larry Nance is giving you, right? Because that yeah. that's that's the the bar that we're working with is Larry Nance's level of shooting. Yep. What does Dyson give you that Larry doesn't give you? He gives you playmaking. He gives you ball handling. He gives you, in my opinion, much better defense already. Um, on the ball, off the ball, his rotations are amazing. His rebounds really good. If you look at Larry, going, I don't want to ragging on Larry Nance, but if you look, <laughs> if you look at Larry Nance's, and this is something that Seth Partner informed me of, his on-off splits um, when it comes to rebounding, like he doesn't make teams better in that space. You which are, is a problem with alongside Zion, because, which is a problem in any small ball lineup. Yeah. To to be effective as a small team, you have to clean the glass. You have to avoid giving up offensive rebounds. And and when when looking at Zion, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and even Trey Murphy, none of those players are individually strong rebounders. I think you know, like Brandon's good for his position. Herb hasn't been. I think he's capable of, but just the, sort of the role that he's asked to play is defend the point of attack yep. furthest away from basket. Right. Um, you know, I think if you ask him to play a traditional four role and clean the glass, he would do it. Herb Jones can do anything. He's he do whatever you want to do. <laughs> he do whatever you want to do. Um, Lock himself in the gym for like a month and he'll be he'll be good at it. Yeah, I mean I, I think so. I mean he was a really good rebounder in, in, in Alabama. Uh so so I think it's there. It's just that's not been his role. We would want to see more of that from Zion. I am optimistic we're gonna get more rebounding from Trey. Uh, I think we were already seeing some of it in the preseason. I think he's just, by virtue of his size and being the biggest person on the court, he will get those rebounds too. So Dyson is someone that juices your rebounding a lot. He pushes the pace. He gives you another element of of attacking. And if this is a team where you can get 35% shooting from from Dyson and 35% shooting from Herb Jones, it's unguardable. And it has enough defensive weapons and enough switching to where it becomes a problem on both ends and is something that can truly a, a, a unit that can truly play in a multitude of different ways. I think it can be effective in the half court. I think it can play, you know, in, in, in the open floor and transition. Um, it can, it can play uh bully ball if, if it wanted to. And, and so that is the future for me. And I have seen it. I am 
bought in. <laughs> I am willing to invest in it. And I think every sort of future move they make from here on out, barring like an acquisition of a top 30 level player, uh, needs to be building toward this lineup. That means giving these players minutes together, giving the players minutes, period. Dyson should get minutes. Um, uh, creating, you know, opportunities for these players to, to get more minutes by a trade. So like trading Devontae away, because that's an obstacle in Dyson's rotation, right? Um, and then adding players who complement uh, these individuals or the groups of, you know, these individuals when, when they're not all on the court together. So like, first and foremost, that's going to be shooting, adding more shooting. Um, and then perhaps, you know, adding maybe some room protection and rebounding and, and that kind of stuff. Filling in the cracks around that foundation has to be the long-term move, in my opinion. So I don't know if I consider that a hot take just because if it's in the future, all these are kind of lower probability, uh, you know, actual results. But I do think it's a hot take in that you're, you're essentially putting three non-shooters on the floor together in Herb Jones, Zion Williamson, and Dyson Daniels. And obviously, like any of those three guys could become passable beyond the arc but none of those guys i envision ever being someone that like maybe herb in the corner gets gets defense's attention but i don't see that ever being a, a lineup that really you know spaces the floor that well so you just got to be really good at everything else to make that work it's it, it <laughs> it's not i and so yeah so i i don't know that that would that would be my you know rationale for why it's a hot take and so i so guess what's here's your, something for you yeah. what if herb stays at like low 30s but Dyson gets to 39. Right. Dyson, like, what if one of Any those Any one two of hit? those three could, you, could. You just need one of those two to hit, or you want both to be like, like little average or above average? What's What does it more for you? I think having one more of those guys, because Zion is Zion. Like, he's got gravity regardless. Yeah. I don't really care if he can, he can shoot or not, and he's only going to get better. Um, if one of Dyson or, or her becomes a guy who can shoot well enough for defenses to care. So that's not 35. That's like, you know, 37%, I think. Then I see the vision. Uh, otherwise, I think you're right. I mean, I, th- that that might be your starting five, but it might not be your closing five. And so you may need another shooter out there. So that that's the key question for me. But otherwise, I mean, everything else, that team, it's got the versatility to your point. It's got the rebounding. And that's something that I feel like we probably should have been talking about more earlier on in this podcast about the finishing five and that being such an important aspect of closing with with a smaller lineup but but yeah i mean it, it would be fun if, if if they can create the spacing and shooting to make it viable it's 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 a really uh really attractive lineup and my only counter to that is is i don't care what dyson shoots he's never going to be someone defenses care about when zion and brandon Ingram are on the floor. so like mm-hmm. like by by definition when those two are on the floor you only have a fixed amount of resources you can allocate from your defense and and you know dyson can shoot 41% defenses always opt to stop those two first. And, and so to me, the trade-off is not his percentage uh, or you no, know, not, not the idea that someone's going to guard him out there, but more so can he take and make enough of them right. to where your possession efficiency comes out to a good offense. Yep. And, and, and 35 is like the absolute lowest bar for me there. Um, it's a little higher for, for me. I, I, I hear you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Like 30, even if someone's shooting, if Dyson or Herb shooting 37% from three, they're still not going to go guard them no. instead of BI or Zion. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. and, and, but yeah, I, I, that's just where I'm at. I just look at, you know, 
what skill sets are needed to make Zion and Brandon Ingram lineup successful and, and shooting is paramount. I think that that's always going to be a standard no matter what, but it's everything else, you know, the rebounding, the, the defense and the ability to generate steals, which can we talk about Zion? Uh, no, uh, Dyson averaging 5.3 steals per 36. Deflections like off the charts. Too. Yeah. I mean, that is absolutely crazy when you're, when you are able to turn the uh, offense or I guess the opponent over at that high of a rate, Especially after not playing in summer league like at all, pretty much. Yeah, it, it does so much. You know, I don't I don't anticipate them to come out here and average five steals a game, but you know, you get you even get two. And and that does so much for your for your offense and defense because oftentimes like games are one on two possessions. And and though that's two scoring opportunities that the other team might not have. And and I just when I look at like who do I want around these guys? Obviously, I want Herb out there. Obviously, I want Trey out there. What fits? And and some might say you might need some rim protecting type of person, but I think you can get enough pseudo rim protection from Zion, Herb, Trey, and Dyson. I'm 100% in agreement with you there. I, I think that the the ideal state of this team with Zion, I don't think it can be someone who's like a traditional five, a, a rim protecting five. You've got to do that by committee almost. And so... To, to that point, yeah, Dyson seems like a great guy to have in that group. So, yeah, I, I I don't see the way that this team truly gets unlocked if there's not a combo of Zion plus one other kind of hybrid three, four, or four, five as your front court guys. The the other thing I want to touch on is I what I hope this team is going to do uh, this season and in in any of their units is a find a way to generate space from their non shooters is to use them to screen their other shooters off the ball. So what I mean is that if, you know, if Jonas is on the court, no one really guards him at the three-point line. But if someone's like really like poaching off of him or hanging in the lane, then, you know, maybe Jonas is on the other side of the court setting a pin down for CJ. And and if he's setting a screen, then CJ is one pass away from an open three unless that big steps up. So that creates space. And so continuing to utilize your non-shooters to set screens for your shooters um, off the ball because you put, you know, you put the ball in Zion's hand, that's space. Like it, someone, you know, someone's going to have to check up on him. Otherwise, he's just going to take that space and, and run you over. Um, same thing with Brandon Ingram. You know, he's going to do that. So, if you know, on the strong side of the court, you know, you have the ball in your best player's hands. On the weak side of the court, uh, you have your, your non-shooter setting, like, screens for, for your shooters. That's going to create a lot of open lanes, in my opinion. And that's going to hopefully be uh, a staple of their offense. Um both when they're running, you know, traditional lineups and and then non-traditional lineups where you have situations where Dyson's playing. Like if you use Dyson to set a screen for somebody, um, they're gonna have to switch that. And, well, beyond just the switching, it, it makes sure that the you can't just sag off as a defender in the weak side and just pay, have your eyes locked on. Right. You've got the ball. You've got you've got to be paying attention to your man because if you get screened and your guy gets open for three, that's it. I mean, so there's got to be. That kind of action makes sure that, and that's like how you know JJ Redick was was often used, right? Same concept. It's you've got to make sure that defenses can't just relax when they're playing off the ball, and that's the perfect way to do that. Absolutely. And I, I, there was there was a, a play in one of the games, and it was really simple. It was just a basic dribble handoff from Zion to Trey Murphy. Like Zion probes the defense, just you know, a couple feet, takes two with him for one second. And then, you know, takes Trey's guy who was close to him. And then Trey just, you know, loops behind Zion. Zion just pitches it back. And Zion sets a wall of a screen on two people. <laughs> and he doesn't even have to make contact. It just takes that fraction of a second for Trey to get his shot off. And that's 
he can you can generate that look every single time. Just wait for the, Murphy. the first moving screen that gets called for Zam because he's just a, a, a <laughs> just wall a wall of a person. Yeah, he's just a wall, and someone's gonna fall down like trying to run through it, and it's gonna get called to him. And oh, it's gonna be a, if if you're a if you're a Saints fan who is you know looking at this Pelicans team and and, and kind of you know increasing your your fandom. Let me let me tell you, um, you're gonna feel right at home arguing about the refs probably with Zion Williamson as part of this team because they're just he's gonna be ref. I, I think at some point it, the pendulum starts to turn and he starts to get a little more ref fairly, but it's gonna be it, I think it's gonna be tough for the uh, for for a bit just because of the type of player he is. Um, and so if you're if you're into rooting at, at yelling at referees and you're gonna feel right at home, Saints fans. So come on. Welcome aboard, Saints fans. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Uh, are there any other players you feel like have stood out? I, I do have one. I, I who I don't know if it's just preseason stuff, but it'd be nice if this carries out into the, into the regular season. Um, I think we're going to say the same guy. Is it is it the other rookie for this or the other second year player for this Pelicans yes. team? Yeah, I mean, so I I I will give my take, and um, but I I won't I won't go on for long because I was that was one of my big things in the pre before the season when I went to a couple other kind of Pelican season previews was like was Jose Alvarado just kind of like a gimmick player. Because all the advanced metrics had him as a super impactful, one of the most impactful rookies in the class, drafted or not. But a lot, you know, you you watch him play, and he's all hustle. And obviously, there was always all the comfort behind steals that he would make. Um, even got Chris Paul in the playoffs. But at the same time, he's not a great shooter. He's undersized, and so you look at those two things by themselves, and you ask, can he be? Can he really be a, a, a plus player? Have a really strong, like, be a, a rotation player for a good team. And, and without becoming a better shooter because you know he's just I mean, he's six foot he's not he's not ever going to be a great defender just because he's, he can only do so much with his size right and so I think the preseason has shown me that he was not a gimmick um but I I think there's I think he can be an impactful player here um I, I still don't know how much so but I'm curious what your take was on it. yeah I think part of what I've seen in this preseason is more of a willingness to score I think last year that didn't exist. Part of being a rookie, part of finding your footing as an undrafted two-way player, um, whatever the case is, there were several conversations and, and media interviews where he was like, yeah, B.I. keeps telling me to, to score, to shoot. Like, we're better when we do that. Um, and in the preseason, and presumably because there are no stakes in the preseason and everyone plays with confidence, uh, but he's been aggressive. He's been aggressive in getting to the paint, which is one uh, – going to be absolute key when, in terms of generating easy looks, whether it's him taking the shot or just drawing the defense in. But that doesn't work. You know, his ability to penetrate doesn't work if he's not willing to score. And so he talked about how he's worked with Tony Parker. Yeah, if he can get that little floater, if he can get that little spin move, um, and, and and he's willing to put that up multiple times a game. A few better comps, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one is Chris Paul. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to go there. Um, you know, if he's, if, he, if he's willing to do that, then – that changes what that bench unit can do with, with their offense. And that changes his trajectory as a player too. Cause I think he has the speeds and handles and, and, and just shiftiness to get into the paint when he needs to without a three point shot. And, and, you know, I'll talk about that three point shot in a minute, but you know, if he's, if he's getting there and scoring all of a sudden that's going to lead to bigs coming out and contesting that and someone, you know, going back door and, and maybe that's a, that's a lob, maybe that's a dump off, maybe, you know, that, that's that's something that's a, a pocket pass, you know, to, to Jackson Hayes back there, and that's just a dunk, right? Um, I would love for him to become like a Tyus Jones-level player. for And, and Tyus Jones, for the Grizzlies, 
uh, proved that he could be a capable starter while John Morant was out, but runs one of the best units. He is uh, one of the best bench units. He's been a tremendously impactful player for his whole career. And it's because one, he's mistake free, relatively low turnover, uh, which is what Jose Alvarado is Two, um, he provides you enough scoring. He's not a high volume three point shooter. He's, he's adequate. Right. And I think Jose can get there. I think he can be adequate at shooting. He's certainly been shooting really well in training camp. Hopefully it carries over. I don't think he's going to be someone that shoots six or seven times a game from three, but if he shoots three or four times, he shoots around 37%. He, I think he's going to be fine. Most of those are probably going to come off the dribble. Um, and, and if they're coming off the catch, it's because he's playing with some of the stars. Uh, and, and I think he's going to be adequate there, but the fact that he's not turning the ball over, he's generating turnovers for, for from the other team um, and, and just capable of setting the table and, and he can defend his position adequately. Uh, that That is a lot of floor raising. That is a lot of floor raising for any unit. A lot of reason why Chris Paul teams uh, and, and Chris Paul minutes are so, so, so successful is because he doesn't mess up. Yep. And he, he plays good enough defense. He takes all of that low-hanging fruit. And and if you have one decision maker who is capable of orchestrating an offense like that, that just raises the floor of your teams. And I think Jose is going to do that to an extent for the second unit. And I think he's, there's going to be games, and it would, in fact, it would be my preference if if um, CJ misses games, that Jose be the starter rather than Devontae. Uh, that that would be my preference. Yeah, I def I definitely agree with you there. And it kind of that was where I was going to go is then. The concern I have above all else rotation wise is Jose and his minutes not getting enough. Um, I think just even seeing what would the, the, or the, the pecking order in preseason, not necessarily the total minutes. You can't really, I don't think you can evaluate that too much because the second half things get wonky players sit. And so I don't really look at the total minutes, but what's the rotation sequence in the first half has been what I was been paying attention to. And I, I, I'm worried that Jose maybe still won't get the minutes that I feel like he truly deserves. Um, from from the outset, I I'm hoping that the Garrett Temple stuff won't won't persist, and he's not going to get rotation minutes. But even just to your point, the Devonte versus um, versus Jose minutes, I, I think I think a lot of it should be catered to you know, getting maximizing some time with um, Devonte and Zion, just because I want to see how that looks. But I do think that this backup point guard for this team is Jose Alvarado, and if um, I, I, I do not want to see him getting fewer minutes than Devontae Graham. See, I'm, I'm, I believe in the fact that Devontae can be better, yep. but I just, when I look at it from an actual, do I want to invest minutes in finding this out perspective? What, what, what am I actually getting with those Zion and Devontae minutes? What are you actually hoping, right? The question is someone's going to defend Devontae. It's not. You're not opening the lane for Zion, because we've seen, even when he's on the floor with Brandon Ingram, he's just going to take all of the the defense's attention, right? So I, I don't think there's any net spacing that's generated. So then you're like, all right, we have someone that puts up a high volume of three-point attempts, which is not someone the Pelicans have on the roster outside of CJ or, or Trey, uh, Trey Murphy. So that is unique. But if he's not hitting them, then what you're, what you're really hoping for, for that combination to produce is on some nights – it gives you enough threes that can either get you back in a game or really open a game up. Um, and it can be some quick offense, but when that happens and that's going to happen more, you know, when, when that doesn't happen and that, you know, I think there's going to be more nights than where he's bad, than he's good. Then what is he giving? What it, it, the sole purpose of that combo 
is to generate more three-point looks and hopefully cleaner ones that he can hit. But I, I just that, that doesn't move me, right? Like I, I rather get maybe generate and this is this is funny because my next point was going to be like I feel like the team needs to take more threes, but <laughs> but that if my only purpose of being out there is to take threes and you're limited in every which way else, then I, I feel like there's other things I could be getting from from a Dyson, from from uh from from Jose. And so like I, I feel like you know going back to Dyson. Dyson is going to be someone that takes six or seven threes. Now, is he going to have a bunch of 0 for 6 nights? Wow, oh, 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 <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, that's, for... that's your hottest take probably. Is it? Yeah. He is that not... many threes? I mean, if he gets the minutes. If you give that's him 20 minutes a game, I think he takes at least four or five. Dyson Daniels. Yeah. All right. I, I think it's going to be just like Lonzo. It's, he's going to be. Yeah, but pretty... Lonzo was a good three-point shooter. I... He became good. Yeah. But he was. What? But there were multiple months. I mean, he's good in February. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good month, right? <laughs> there were multiple months where he's shooting in the 20s. Yeah. And he's taking six or seven a game. Ten. There were how many nights did he go two for 12? Yeah. Right? A lot. And, and I think there's going to be multiple nights, and you have to allow Dyson to do it, where he's going to go 0 for 6, 1 for 7, whatever. But I think there's probably going to be an equivalent amount of nights where he goes 4 for 7 as to where Devontae can go 4 for 7. And, and, you know, maybe Devante has seven nights where he makes four more threes and Dyson has five nights. So maybe there's two nights of a difference where, you know, the, the, the Dyson um, hit, doesn't hit that outcome. But Dyson, on, on every other night, what is he giving me? He's giving me block shots. He's giving me rebounds. He's giving me passing, playmaking, all, all the other stuff. So it's just like I get it. And I think part of, like, raising Devante's value is you have to give him that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look, this team – We'll have injuries because yeah. they're the Pelicans, and there there will be a role for Devonte. And I do think I, I agree to your to, to the premise of you know what what does Devonte give you that's that much more impactful than other alternative options? Who will be a bigger part of this team for the foreseeable future? And so I do think like to, to the in the Pelicans' defense, like year one they thought they were going to be. You know, they thought they were going to get a lot of Devontae and Simons. And, and year two, you didn't know that Jose Alvarado or Herb Jones, or they, you didn't know that all three of your picks were going to hit like this, or, right. or two of your picks and then you're uh, your undrafted free agent. But and, and so because of that, you have to also be nimble in your with your rotation and, and figure that out. And so it's it's tough for Devontae because I think that he's better than what he showed in the second half of last season. Um, and he was the year before in Charlotte. He really was. Um, but I do think that there are still – you know, when the team's fully healthy, you have the same questions of should Devontae be getting rotation minutes? And I think the answer might be yes, but that he maybe he's on the on the cusp, right? Of yes, yes versus well, I no. Think he's a, I think he's a he was a positive player last year, particularly in the first half. Yeah, well, he started um, games for them. You know, and, and that was and, a good and lineup. The, that lineup crushed opponents. But I think where the lineup is now is where you're having to give Jose minutes in in a good way, not because yes. you're forced to. Yes. Um, you're having to give Jose minutes. You're creating that situation where you have two six one under six foot, whatever guards as your backcourt, which is less of a problem against benches, I guess, but still a problem nonetheless. And if Devonte was your sole backup point guard, I'm not having this conversation, but it's, it's as you mentioned, it's, it's now we have options. So, I, I mean, that's where I'm at with Devonte. I still think he's going to be a capable player uh, this, this season. Um, Has he gone by the deadline? Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah. I don't think Kim or Jackson A's are making it to yeah. the deadline. Uh, or, I mean, past the deadline. Um, that's, that's, that's uh, I don't know. Biggest I mean, question to me is if, if Garrett, if they need Garrett Temple salary, whatever trade that is too. I hope so. <laughs> Coach Temple, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Oh, man. If we see Garrett Temple minutes that are not in a blowout. That, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I'm just going to. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, you know, the final, final preseason game tonight, uh, next week, they'll be kicking off the regular season. They'll have a, you know, some, was it like, uh, six days, five days before they, they'll get it. hopefully they're able to practice. Hopefully they're able to get their, the full unit out there. Yep. Um, any, any closing thoughts, um, anything you're particularly wanting to see from this last preseason game? The eye, just anything. Um, I, I don't do we do, is he, Playing? Do we know? Theoretically. Theoretically. Okay. Um, just be fun to see him get a tune-up. Um, obviously, don't push it. Give him – he's healthy. Give him 20 minutes. Let him let him run the offense. Let him be B.I. Um, just let him get a little warm-up for the game next next week. But other than that, not really. Just stay stay healthy. It's just that's all I want is for the team to stay healthy and to put a fully healthy team on the, on the, on the floor uh, for Brooklyn next week. That, that's a big ask. But it's an important one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm going to take anything away from Bia's game. Sure, he can go. I mean, obviously, if he goes like ten for twelve, I'm just be like, league's <laughs> <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> but in, 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 you know, if he goes one for for five, I'll be like, whatever. It's his first game; they don't care because yeah. vets, vets don't care. You know, how many That's years? Preseason, man. Yeah, how many, how many years have we seen like Drew Holiday just, just not give a shit? season he's just like yeah you know what i am gonna let patrick beverly strip the ball from me five times in a row like whatever like and i think cj is on on that time too right now where he's just like eh, i don't let me just try out a couple shots but mostly i'm getting my cardio up i'm trying not to get hurt i know i know where my money is made and it's not the preseason yep um so yeah i I don't really care hopefully if the starters don't play that much we get more cbron minutes i like that kid yeah yeah I, i was really excited he's played I think the summer league, he didn't really do a ton. Uh, I was kind of hoping to see a little more from him in the summer league, but in preseason he's been he's been so fun. <laughs> so I, I I'll take as many minutes from him as, as I can get. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would I would love to see him get not he's not going to get real minutes for this team, obviously, but love to see him get a few. Do you, I mean, do you think he's going to be um, you know with the team much, or do you think it's going to be mostly in Birmingham? All right, fifty fifty split. Yeah, I would I would love to see him just put up like twenty points a game. In yeah. Him. just give him the green light because right now i feel like he's playing timid and within the system like he's like i don't want to mess up i want to be you know i, I want to be part of the team i don't want to take over and i say screw it let him go to birmingham and drive to the rim 35 times a game like no one's gonna stay in front of him like just send get, send fred vincent to birmingham for a couple weeks and then send him back to the oh, no 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 fred vincent stays here we need him for zion and dyson and herb and naji and bi and literally every single player on the roster not named trey murphy and cj mccullum um but so uh no fred vincent there but but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Sebron just let him run like ten million pick and rolls in 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 Birmingham and just feel it out, just yeah. just get it, and then just bring him back. Uh, obviously, for extended home stands, yeah. uh, you you bring him in. Um, but any any like road games and stuff, maybe just yeah, just send him out there. Um, still an open two way spot, Mason. Yeah, you trying to get in there? 
<laughs> at oh, this man. point, you know, they've already given everyone's getting like, everyone's you get a two way, you get a two way. <laughs> you know, if they if they want to, you know, if there's a a day where they have like three three day a game where they have like three days off and they want to just you know pay me for two way for a couple days, I'll yeah, I'll take it. You know, I, I think. Uh, how about you? You stepping in there? I don't know, man. Media game is coming up, so uh, maybe that'll serve as my unofficial tryout if they ever need yeah. uh, a diminutive old. Um, old three three and d player <laughs> all right all right yeah old man. um yeah i mean relative to the nba right i'm i'm still i'm old relative to the NBA. <laughs> yeah. I think you're you'd be like on the on the back end of your prime at least i'd be in the hey why is he getting minutes over the rookie uh <laughs> i could be the tony snell of the group he's not old say so, I, I still got the not not i'm not older than the oldest pelican thank you garrett temple but yeah i think that'll be coming That'll be coming up soon for I'm you. I'm in my prime. You're that Pelicans too, Amy. Um, but yeah, so EJ's gonna get that in at some point. Um, just a matter of time, and it's probably going to be uh, a, a two-year deal, which doesn't really matter because his first year's ACL driven. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean EJ's gonna fall into that at some point. I I will say the Sixers waived Isaiah Joe, and that is a guard. I'd take a two-way flyer on i assume many teams um will do that so he'll probably if he clears waivers if and when he clears waivers he'll probably have uh a selection of teams to go to oh and, come on the Suns are gonna claim him He's, you know it. dude he probably start for the lakers <laughs> <laughs> with, with with russell westbrook coming off the bench <laughs> oh my god russell westbrook so someone was thinking about do you do you realize that i know it's not like technically the contract do you realize the backup point guards in Los Angeles are making like ninety million dollars this year? Between John Wall, oh, <laughs> and Russell Westbrook. Oh, I was just thinking of one team. No, uh, is Eric Bledsoe out of league? Does he have a team? No way. Does he have a team? I don't know. But don't put that juju on us. <laughs> I saw a tweet today that said everything I've learned about Russell Westbrook and the Lakers has been against my will, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> It's true, but yeah, I mean, John Wall got the buyout from the from the Rockets, so technically he made that money this year. And so between John Wall and Russell Westbrook, shout out John Wall. I'm glad he's having fun. He's gonna be good. I'm yeah, I'm excited to see him see him hoop again. Yeah. Seems seems like uh, the Clippers folks are excited with what he's been giving them. So very um, happy for them. Yeah. Great, glad to see him back. Um, anyways, it's been a good pod. Yeah, fun to be back. Good to be in this uh, awesome uh, Boot Crew Media uh, studio here. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Loving it. Loving the studio vibes here. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, uh, shout out to DraftKings and Do you have the read down by heart now? Um, you know what? I I don't have the read down by heart. Actually, I do, but I want to just let me let me let me, let me make sure. <laughs> let me make sure it is the same one. Uh here we go. Here we go. Is it NFL related? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um Go to DraftKings, use promo code BOOT, B-O-O-T. Oh, Mason's got it by heart. I just know that you're going to get free money if you do it. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't see uh, this week's read, So, but the promo code BOOT um, will probably give you, if you if you bet $5 on any NFL game, I that was the previous one, bets, you get $200 in free bets. So yeah. bet on the football games. You know, I will. Uh, every single week I bet. Big football like a degenerative here. football uh, gambler here. Uh, who certainly knows every player in every team. Um, so place five dollars in bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets and using promo code B O O T, uh, which is for some reason not on the screen. So let me spell it out for you again: B O O T. 
They're, um, they're fun. I'll, I'll say I've been uh, on, I've been doing, they, they push you a lot of um, kind of like odds boosts. And so I've been, you know, some of you know, I'm a Yankees fan. So I'm throwing some $5, $10 bets with the, with, with the boosts on some of the, uh, the Yankees playoff games. And so it's, it's pre- pretty fun. You get a lot of, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, uh, odds increases if you're, uh, if you're, have some games you, you care about throwing a few bucks on. So yeah, just just know that you know minimum eligibility uh, rules and restrictions apply. And um, oh oh oh, actually actually, I'm pulling this one up. There we go. And 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 oh, <laughs> this one's about the NBA. Let's go, folks. The NBA is starting. So the promo code boot still applies, but bet five dollars. On any NBA money line bet, oh, yo, I will do this. I know the NBA. <laughs> I know the NBA. Um, and and bet two hundred dollars in free bets. By the way, like I'm pounding the 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 Suns under this year, and 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 the money line on any Charlotte game. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Charlotte's gonna stink this year. Um, and anyways, uh, bet five dollars on NBA any any NBA money line and get two hundred dollars in free bets. Uh, minimum, you know, age restrictions and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or anyone you know uh, has a gambling problem, uh, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. So shout out DraftKings and shout out Royal Honda. 